Hi, I'm Jane O'Reilly, and this is Ageless. I'm 40, and my life is just getting started. I'm here to share real talk and real experiences about how to live life ageless. Nothing's off the table. You know the vibes. Let's go. Welcome back to Ageless. I'm Jane O'Reilly, and today I am joined again by one of my favorite guests, Dr. Frida Birnbaum. She is a research psychologist and psychotherapist in Saddle River, New Jersey, and is the award-winning author of Life Begins at 60, A New View of Motherhood, Marriage, and Reinventing Ourselves, and also What Price Power, an in-depth study of the professional woman in a relationship. She's an expert in family dynamics, parenthood, relationships, addiction, anxiety, and depression. Dr. Frida is also a seasoned media personality and commentator. She also has a podcast called The Dr. Frida Show, Pushing the Limits. Notably, Dr. Frida is the oldest woman in America to have given birth to twins. The mother of five, her youngest sons were born when she was 60, lending her a unique perspective on issues related to parenting and the empowerment of women at any age. Dr. Frida, welcome back to Ageless. My pleasure to one of my favorite people. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, you're so sweet for saying that. I feel like the feeling is mutual here. Um, So we have you on the show today to discuss a topic that I'm thrilled to jump into with you, and that is emotional prenups. So can emotional prenups save marriages? Let's dive into that. Absolutely. Uh, We have to know that we should look forward to having an agreement where you are on board with each other. You know, the original contract uh, is something that stays within us, but we just don't speak about it. Then we forget about it, then it's called transference, and you complain about other things because you're not contented. But we have to go back to what the original contract is. So this is the emotional prenup where before you have to go to a therapist, this is preventative, not waiting So you want to kill each other and uh, you continue having that negative uh, dynamic with each other. So to get started with what it is you want and to be on the same page, you make it formal because life takes over and things happen good and bad uh, in any marriage or any relationship. It doesn't have to be a marriage per se. So when you're looking at what is most important to you, uh, then you're looking at what's most important to your partner. Uh, it could be an eye awakening. It could be a deal breaker. It could be something that you say, really, this is, I can't put up with that. And then the best thing to do is to go ahead and fix it before there's any kind of agreement uh, between the two of you, because it's less messy and it's less complicated. Absolutely. I love that. And I guess to get to the root of it, how how do you know you're not feeling emotionally fulfilled? And what does that look like for both men and women? Because I'm sure there's differences. First of all, uh, when uh, you feel, you can feel there's some kind of discomfort and you can connect to that discomfort, uh, you will know that there's something amiss. But without having to second guess, when we talk about the emotional prenup, You have it in front of you. So you don't have to work on something that's an unknown. But to answer your question, there is a difference between men and women process their needs. A woman, when she is not getting along in the relationships, 
in relationship goes and tries to find what she needs to do to fulfill herself. And that is after the divorce, a man after divorce tries to find out, believe it or not, you think it was the other way around, a better relationship because as children, they weren't given that possibility often opportunities. Men are taught to go out there and be successful. Women are taught to be givers. So they want the piece of them that's missing. But my point is that does not have to be waiting for you after the divorce. You can do it within the relationship. And if you do it within the relationship, it's stronger and better than ever. So I know there's a financial prenup that protects the individual after a divorce. So would you just create an emotional prenup alongside of it? Or how does that work? Yes, we would create this prenup uh, having to do with what are the expectations? How do you make this marriage work? How do you make this marriage better? Before you have to even consider anything that would even suggest divorce in any way. So we're talking about getting your needs met. Often therapy is somewhere you go, but you go there after you've had problems. This is a preventative before you have the problems, because after you have the problems, you're already in a state of turmoil and conflict and trying to be right or wrong. And that's not where you need to go. You need to be able to have a clean slate, to be there for each other, to be open-minded and to be supportive of what the other person needs. So what would what would a couple consider when creating an emotional prenup? Like what would the process look like? Well, the process would look like an agreement. Uh, number one, what is the deal breaker in fidelity? Money seems to be one of the biggest problems uh, with uh, keeping a marriage. How do you want to spend the money? Are you a spender? Are you a keeper? Um, do you want to divide the money? Uh, do you want to keep the money in a joint income? Uh how do you want to spend the money as far as travel, uh, entertainment? Uh, if you have children, how do you want to spend it on them? So that becomes a big factor. That becomes very emotionally stressful uh, when one person may control the income or one person may say, I want both of us to work. And the other says, no, I just want you to work and I want to stay home or have a family. That becomes a huge major issue as well. So money is something that needs to be contemplated uh, before you even move forward because it's ignored and yet it's really the white elephant in the room most of the time in a relationship. What about children? That's Isn't difficult. That something yes. that you would put in the emotional prenup? Exactly. Absolutely. Because children uh, can be, uh, you know, a complicated factor. What if you've been married and you have three kids and your partner's never had any children? Uh, do you want children? No. Does your partner want a child? Yes. Uh, are you both right? Yes. What do you do with that? Well, as I told you before, the recording is that if you love a person, you show them their your love by giving them a child if that's what they want. That's the biggest gift you can give. And not only that, it helps you to bond together. It represents a different stage of your lives together. And it brings you in a place where you have to work through a lot of different decisions. And often you can work through what you couldn't work through as a child with your parents. It gives you an opportunity to heal and to be a good parent. And sometimes the best parents are the ones that had the worst upbringing. 
So that is a very important. We were talking about this before the show, because on our last show together, um, I had divulged that I'm going to have kids. And that is just Yay. such a big deal for me to say. And Dr. Frida, you are just such an inspiration to me, having twins at such a later stage in your life. And it's just unbelievable that you're the oldest woman in America that's had twins. And I, you're just showing women like me what's possible. You know, I, I never felt like I had this strong urge to have children. It's never been something that's been in my DNA, but I truly feel like when you're with the right person, it just naturally happens. And that's what happened for me is I'm just so in love with the man that I'm with and my partner. And I, I couldn't imagine not giving him a child. And so when we were talking before the show, you said that's the greatest gift that I can give him. That's the greatest gift you can give him and yourself too, because then you find out what unconditional love really is. When you're up to three o'clock in the morning and you're saying, how can I go ahead without sleep? And then you just look at that little kid in front of the little baby in front of you and you just forget everything. It's just as this little thing that you as looking to you to do everything for them and trusting you and giving you back and, and responding to you is just awesome beyond belief. And it does cement the relationship even more because you have that in common to go ahead as a couple. Uh, and there's nothing that's more important uh, that you can work on, not money and not where you're going to live, uh, decisions, uh, vacations, none of that. Everything melts away. I mean, I come from a family where uh, we didn't have much. And my husband comes from a family where they had live and help, uh, even when there were no kids there. And I got love and I got a wonderful support system. So I was very rich. And he grew up with his nanny. And I've been giving him therapy ever since because I never know what I'm going to say with you. But because really, uh, that's really what it comes down to, connecting and loving each other. Everything else seems to melt away and take second place, really. I just love where we go on these podcasts. <laughs> it's true. And I'd love you for you to experience it because you're a very warm, caring person. And why not have that part of you? Uh, you know, appreciated by a little thing and by your husband seeing a part of you, a nurturing part of you that he wouldn't get to see otherwise. I always thought there was something wrong with me that there, that I didn't have that need or desire or want or longing to have children. I'm like, I'm broken. Like what's wrong with me? No, but no. I just realized that it was just not the right time. And, you know, like, like you, I feel like my life began at 40. And things have changed. Things like the world has changed. Now I have a daughter around your age. And um, when I got married at 22, my mother was crying to the world that Frida is not my, my Frida's not married yet. And like, you know, as I'm a spinster or something at that time, that's the word they used. <sighs> and, um, and I felt so guilty, like what's wrong with me. <laughs> and yet I was, you know, I was doing what I needed to do. So I got married and I had children early because everyone wanted to know what was wrong with me, why I didn't have kids, but I was helping my husband go through law school. But that's okay. I had kids four years later. But then again, I always wondered, and this is my research too, what is it like? Is there a, to have career first or and, and then children or children first and then career? Because in my time, 
uh, you didn't have a career at all. You just had the family. And I was like a stigma. My friends had stopped talking to me because I went back to school. I had the kids, went back to school. I lost all my friends. But then I decided later that the best thing is to have a career first and then to have a family. Because as I said to you, you establish who you are. See, I never know what I talk about. I brought all this stuff down, but whatever. So here's the point. <laughs> the point is, so my, my daughter, my only daughter, I taught her to go and have a career first so she can be independent, not necessarily financially, but psychologically in a marriage. The marriage can be equal so she can feel educated. So she went and she had got her bachelor's. She got her master's. She got accepted into a PhD program. And in the middle of the program, she realized she didn't like it. It was psychology, what I'm doing. Yeah. And she says, I'm not going to be locked up in a room all day. I don't even agree with this. Um, I think mind and body is more important. So she went and she went to off on her own and did, uh, uh, you know, uh, more of a holistic type of uh, lifestyle and treatment uh, for people. So she did that. And then she was ready to meet somebody. Well, the guys that she met were always, the problem today is that in my time, you got married and then you had children. I mean, she doesn't have children, but people, it's marriage without a contract. And then what happens is that they stay together till they find a problem. There's always going to be something. So there's no common need to continue if there's a problem like the internet it's a switch of the button you go to the next person it's too convenient today so to, to get off this topic i mean now she met somebody that she really likes and a very nice worthwhile person we'll see what happens with that but yes marriage is pushed away childhood is pushed away she's around your age she's in your stage and hoping if her partner would be interested she would follow through with that too so to put things in, in the right place with you having a child and this emotional contract, I'm trying to, to tie it together. So the emotional contract, what are we talking about here? Well, you know, you know, a meeting of the minds, you have to be with somebody who respects and listens. The most important thing is to listen, not to be right or wrong. What's most effective. That's what saves the marriage a lot. And to compromise, you know, if it's more important to one person than to the other person, like having a child and you're going to give your husband a child, what could be more beautiful than that? Because, you know, the night before, if you're breaking the dishes or whatever, you get up in the morning, what was that all about? It's, it's silly to get into this type of conflict. So that's what this emotional uh, contract prenup really, it's an emotional prenup. It's a preventative measure of having to spend years in therapy because I know I'm a therapist and seeing couples struggle after the fact, after they've already been disillusioned. When you stay with the fact who you are and what you want and you're consistent with the need of the other person, uh, then there won't be any kind of uh, necessary uh, disagreements. And we're talking about even how to fight. Uh, don't bring your history. Don't bring each other's parents into it, especially if you're different religions. 
don't say bad things about it. So painful because when you know each other, you really know how to hurt each other. Mm-hmm. And you'll pull whatever you can out there. So there has to be boundaries uh, when you're in conflict uh, of how often do you want to see the in-laws? You know, what do you want to do with the in-laws? I always say they should have this thing in the car that says, make a U-turn, your in-laws house is on the right side here, get out of the, get out of the way or something. But yeah, so those things that seem insignificant uh, become very emotionally uh, connected. How often do you want a date night? Let's think about that. One person I know I had a patient, uh, she wanted to go out every week. I think that's very important to do that. Go away on a weekend once a month. I think that's very important to do that. A different environment, different objectivity, a different perspective of yourself. Well, her husband didn't want to do that. And that was a huge conflict uh, in this relationship. He wasn't on board with trying to make her happy. You have to want to make the other person happy. It's not about you anymore. Go ahead. You can take a breath and talk. (laughs) (laughs) I was really loving what you were sharing because as I was thinking about the fact that I've never been married before, and I know there's others who are listening right now that have never been married before either. um, This this emotional prenup also can be taken into consideration in just any relationship, really, if you want it to work. Absolutely. It can be any kind of relationship. Uh, you know, uh, we're talking about uh, the fact that, you know, what is happiness? Happiness is having a companion at the end of the day. It could be a dog, but not really. You need somebody to talk back to, to talk back and discuss things with you. But it's sharing and connecting. So if you have somebody who's going to be a companion and is going to be able to even vent. There's nothing wrong with complaining. It's not criticizing your partner. Um, it's about having somebody, a shoulder to lean on. That's a big part of the relationship. You know, the relationship, uh, the romantic part of the relationship uh, lasts about three years. Uh, after that, you go through together tragedies and celebrations, and the relationship becomes much deeper. And, uh, there's depth to it and a stronger feeling than in the beginning because you didn't really know each other. There was a, an attraction. But when there's a meeting of the souls, that's what they call it, soulmates. And then you know that uh, what life is all about, uh, that's when the real stuff uh, comes in. And that's uh, being able to even sometimes take turns um, if the other person needs nurturing, uh, so you step back and you nurture that person. It doesn't mean that you have to be that, that same person all the time. Some person can take care of the, of uh, the rec, the bookkeeping. It doesn't have to be the responsibility on the same person. So it's back and forth. And also, what is it do you want? Do you want your partner to support a, a career for you? Do you want somebody to help you, uh, with success? Is there a certain orientation that you wanted to go to, but you needed somebody to help you get there? Well, that's something that you can do and even take turns uh, back and forth. So you can establish yourself and then you can help the other person uh, reach that potential as well. I love when you said meeting of the souls. That just really resonated with me. It's beautiful. It's 
How long have you known your uh, partner? Uh, we're going on six months now, <laughs> so it hasn't been that long of a time. But it I thought you were like going to say eternity. six years. Are you kidding? Six months? That's very. It's six only months. been six months. It's only been six months. We've been through so much together, and I really feel like we're both around the same age. And he's younger than me, so I'm robbing the cradle. But he, uh, he and I have just been through a lot of life together in a short period of time, and we've just been connected since day one. And you know, the way we met was just. So it just felt divinely led and so has our relationship. So it's just felt really deep. And I've shared on this podcast how we met and I'm sure they don't, that the audience doesn't want to hear that story again, but, um, how did you just, meet? I'm sorry to say that, but I'm very curious. How did you meet? I was randomly Instagramming downtown San Diego and I love going into pretty places and taking photos and, creating reels and all the pretty things that, that are in San Diego. I love to post about, and I loved the tile in one of my favorite hotels downtown. So I went in to go take a photo of it and out of the corner of my eye, there's this guy hanging over the ledge of the railing saying, are you ready to go to the pool? And I'm thinking, I just walked into the hotel. I'm not even staying here. I'm not ready to go to the pool. He must be talking to somebody else. And then he says it again. And I was like, oh, me? And and I'm like, okay, sure. So we, I ended up following him to the pool. We hung out for nine hours, just getting to wow. know, each, know each other and had such an incredible, deep conversation and uh, just really bonded on a soul level and have been inseparable ever since he was living in Chicago at the time and was just visiting San Diego where he used to live for many years. And, um, he ended up moving from Chicago back to San Diego to, for the relationship and to be together. And so he's devoted. He's very he's devoted, devoted and I'm devoted yeah. and we're really happy and we're just living life together. And we're, like I said, about to move into a new place and we're so we're just so grateful that we were given this opportunity to be in each other's lives. And I feel like he's my partner and my forever soulmate. So I'm just really grateful. So for that's that. what, that's a beautiful story. And that's why you're in transition and you're moving. Uh, this is a perfect time to move on because, you know, a, a relationship can stay as, uh, as you know, uh, the way it is uh, and this comfort level. But then years can go by and nothing happens. So you have to be careful that if you're in that state right now, take advantage of it uh, and make that decision uh, and also have a child. And you'll be celebrating uh, a different kind of uh, relationship that you have. There'll be a different uh, language between the two of you. Really, that's this is. it sounds like it's getting closer to that because you're moving too. Yeah, it feels that way too. And the place is a lot larger than the one we're in now because I was living alone and and we're just really ready for this next phase of our development. And I'm even open to having children before even thinking about marriage. I just feel like he's my forever person. So it's like what we were talking about er earlier, the marriage without the contract, marriage without the contract. Marriage and that's what I feel like I have. Yeah, that you do have that already. But you know, people who have that paper for some reason are happier. I'm telling you this. So you think you're happy now? Guess what? You'll be even happier, believe it or not, because that's what research has shown. 
that marriage makes people happier, especially men. Men live longer if they're married. Women often live longer if they're not because there's sometimes some, some type of uh, relationship conflict. Now, if you married somebody who's supportive, then you both live longer and you both are happier together. And today, with the equality, that's more of the uh, reality uh, for both of you. So, you know, anything, any change, uh, any transition is stressful. Good change is just as stressful. Uh, but once you already made up your mind and you have, uh, it's just a matter of acting on it. That's about it. Because the hard part is making up your mind. Everything else is just following through. So have you made up your mind already? You told me you have. I've already made up my mind. Okay, so next time I talk to you, see, now you have to talk to me again. Because then we're going to keep talking about your progress. And uh, and, uh, all the stuff that I'm talking about really is progressing. Because in a marriage, um, if you can conquer difficulties, it only brings you closer together. It only bonds you more. Having a child is not physically easy, uh, but it does bring you closer together uh, of what's important in life, the reality of uh, stepping yourself aside a little bit. And there's this other thing that's even more important. How is that possible? Then you find out, wait a minute, this little thing I have to prioritize instead of me. That's like a whole different language right there. Because, you know, up to this time, you are growing and becoming more and more successful. But what happens is that you can do both. You can have a partner who's going to be there for you more because you both have something invested that is uh, very similar. And then you both are stronger and you both have more of a need to stay in the relationship because you do have a child together. Uh, so whether you have a piece of paper or not, I think that it is not important to you. But I do think a, a piece of paper in marriage does say a f- uh, some things that you don't have to uh, be open to anything. This is it. This is the two of us. Uh, this is the emotional contract. Uh, you know, no infidelity. The money issues we share. Joint account. Uh, for both of us, because we're both one, um, we both try to fulfill each other's needs, even if we have to take turns, that's okay. What makes you most uncomfortable? I have to honor that when we argue. If we have in-laws or parents, how often, what does that mean to you? Do you want to be close to them or not? No dirty fighting at the end of the, of the day, or if you're in conflict, sometimes you bring in conflict with you. And you have to be careful that your partner has nothing to do with your past or with the conflict their partner is new. And that's why you pick that person for a fresh start. So all these things are part of the process um, of having a closer relationship. And most of all, how not to hurt the other person, because we know the other person very well. And when we're home from work or we're working from home and we're connecting, uh, with each other emotionally we are off guard you know to strangers other people we can be nice we can say all the right things but you know after a hard day's work you want to let go you want to diffuse and the nearest person uh, is your partner 
Uh, so just understand that's the way that person is venting. Some people hold it in. Some people let it out. Some people are pent up. There's all different ways of dealing with pressures. Uh, once you can accept those kind of different pressures, you don't personalize it. And that helps as well. I feel like that's what I'm going through right now because I am a people pleaser by nature and I will generally hold in anything that's going wrong or any resentments I'll have and I'll just hold it in and hold it in and hold it in and it'll come out sideways and create something. It'll just create a mess. So today that's what I'm working on. I'm working on the communication and I'm with somebody uh, who is an excellent communicator who I should never be afraid to bring anything to the table, uh, who just genuinely loves me. And so that's what, that's what I'm working on right now is just the communication, not being a people pleaser, not being afraid of having a disagreement because we can have a constructive disagreement. It doesn't have to be like you were saying earlier, uh, smashing dishes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you don't have to get your point across like that. So I think you said something very important, communicating. Knowing ahead of how that person deals with frustration will help a lot because some people, when a partner closes up, it's very painful for them to, to not to be spoken to and they feel punished. But if they know ahead of time that this is the way they process, uh, then they can understand that this is what's coming. This is what to expect. Now, the other end of the game is somebody who becomes very emotionally abusive and uh, attacks. Well, the strategy for that is just to leave the room because then you can't shut that person up. They're going to just, especially women often go back in history and time and reassess everything. Right. And uh, we're really you know, good at that. They're very good at remembering all the horrible things that happened. Really very good. And so the, uh, so the best thing is just to leave the room. And if you follow it, leave the, if you're followed by your partner, just leave the house. Because what happens after a while, it just, things calm down. It's the height of the moment. It's temporary. As long as you know it's temporary and things go back to, the regular th situation. So you have to know what the baseline is. Is this person a nice person? Is this just a bump on the road and he'll get back or she'll get back to where she is? If that's the case, then that's part of life process. Then you have to just accept it. If a person is volatile and uh, disrespectful uh, and irresponsible, well, that is not a good partner. Then you have to really look and see that this person is really not there for you. But the other part of that is where, where life takes you and life often takes you to uncomfortable situations. Um, it's my scam thing. Oh, I thought <sighs> I turned it off. I get so many of those. It's such a waste of time. Most of the, yeah. I just turn, I just turn it off. I don't talk to them, but um, I was going to say that uh, yes, Learning what to expect from the other person is vital and not to use it against the other person. And the best thing you can really do is listen. Listen, if that person is grumpy or that person uh, is uh, not open to what you're saying, uh, has to often most likely to do with it. They're on overload. They're overwhelmed. And the best thing you can do is do the opposite of what your feeling is. Your feelings are going to be to strike back. 
and you'll be right and you'll do a very good job at it. But it's going to perpetuate the other, the, your partner's uh, discontent and say, ah, see, I'm stressed out and look what I have here. I have somebody else that's stressing me out. I don't need this. So the best thing to do is to listen and to give your partner what it is that they're complaining about, even if it has nothing to do with you, which is not easy to do because emotionally we let our guard off when we're home because we are not Mr. or Mrs. or Miss Polite out there anymore. We can just be ourselves and then we don't realize that we're hurting the other person. Yeah. I've been through that before and it's heart wrenching and it's not really the representation of who I want to be. And so just paying attention to the little details, like the right kind of communication and not holding something in. Cause you nailed it when you said that that's just not fair to the other person. It makes them shut down. I know how it feels when I feel like somebody's doing that to me and mm-hmm. it just makes me feel like, did I miss something? Did I do something? It just makes me question myself. And I think in that questioning, that's not good. It's not because good. It has nothing to do with you. And if you're going to be the one who pleases all the time, that other person is not going to have an opportunity to look at himself and see what is he doing wrong here? Because then he doesn't have to change as long as it's your fault. So you can't do that. You have to help him to see how he's responding. Now, in one way, it's a compliment. He feels comfortable enough with you to let go and to be able to tell you what's on his mind. But the other way, it's stressors for you because you have to carry uh, his load. So the best thing to do with that is to put it back on him and say, well, what do you think? Where do you think this should go? What would make you happy? Say the word you a lot, not I, so you don't take responsibility for it. Mm -hmm. And he will, after a while, see that it has nothing to do with you. But yes, when you have a close relationship, you are more off guard because you're not using your conscience anymore. You're not trying to say all the right things. And then the person you're closest to, you let that person have it because you're connecting to that person. And that's where problems begin. Most of the time having nothing to do uh, with each other at all. Yeah. Well, let's sidestep a little bit here back over to emotional prenup. And what about what about when it's broken? What do you do? What are your suggestions? What's your expert opinion on that? Well, expert opinion is, you know, no matter how expert you are, when it's broken, it takes a lot of work. You have to really want it. You have to be able to say you're sorry. You have to be able to say I'm not 100% right all the time and not play the victim. And when that happens, when you see yourself giving back, or sometimes even giving back in a way that may not make sense to you. But if you can heal the other partners, I said, it's not who's right or wrong, but what's most effective. If you can be the stronger one to break that circle and not to let your ego get in the way, uh, then when you hear that person's perspective, uh, then you can help that person heal. And when that there's already damage done, that damage can really be undone. But you have to move on it. You can't wait. You can't have it built up. It can't be years and years of problems that are so deep that even when you fix it, it keeps going back. 
And you have to do it in the beginning part of the relationship, which is yours, six months. And if you decide to have a, uh, you know, a certificate, marriage certificate or not, it all entails the same kind of uh, acknowledgement. Uh, it all entails the same kind of importance uh, for yourself and for your partner. That's why when we talk about partnerships, it's not about what I want. It's about the word needs to be we. What is good for us? What do we want to do? Where do we want to go? And it makes it more exciting because otherwise, why have somebody if it's only going to be about you? But that other person is what brings in new ideas and new experiences. So always be open to that. People who are close to that are really not uh, in a real marriage. They're just living together under the same roof, but they're not sharing uh, emotionally. That sounds like the worst deal ever. <laughs> I'm all about the openness. So the goal is to be open. It has to be. I mean, the worst situation is to be living with somebody and being lonely <laughs> or living with somebody and not really being uh, connected, each of you being in each, uh, different corners and being hostile. It's much better to be alone because you can be lonelier in a marriage because the expectations are greater than if you were alone. So you have to be able to take advantage of each other's different ideas and solutions um, and goals. And when you do that, and even if you have to take turns, uh, you're much richer than you ever would have been if you did not uh, connect. Did not. I completely connect. relate to that because I took a long period of time alone and was single intentionally um, after a few bad relationships where I stayed longer than I should have. And I was just with the wrong person. And I, I wasn't trusting myself anymore. So I was single for a while and you're right. It is less lonely to be alone than it is to be lonely in a relationship. And I kept ending up with unavailable men and feeling completely alone. And it was like, what's the point? What's the point? I'd rather be alone. It's sad, but it's so true. And also that's why marriage steps in because if you're not married and there's conflict, you just walk away. If you are married, uh, then the conflict becomes messy and you say, okay, let me see what I can do to make it work. So you do work harder uh, at a marriage. I've been married 50 years. Wow. Congratulations. And, uh, it's a huge milestone, something to be extremely proud of. You I don't know if I'm proud. I'm going to have a drink just by saying this. <laughs> it's, it's soda. That's all it is. I'm just thirsty. But yeah. So marriage, you know, is something that is it's like a seesaw back and forth, back and forth. Sometimes I'll think, okay, what am I doing here? I'm getting out of here. I'm not coming back. And then something happens and I have to stay have to pick up my kids after school or something like that. I say, okay, I'm not going anywhere. I can't, they need me here. And then after a while, you forget why you're arguing and you keep going on. So to remember that, it's not the end all. If these are bumps on the road and some people say, okay, I'm out of here. Yeah, if you don't have a marriage contract, you can do that. But how many relationships are you going to have that you're out of there, that aren't going to work. Because after a while, things do happen. The question is, are both people willing to work on it? Do you know that uh, you have a play, a good stable place to go back on together as a couple? And then uh, you do make it work. 
you know, my parents, my mother used to say to me, it's funny because she had all these sayings. And I said, how did you remember all that? Now I remember all that she said to me. And she'd say to me, she would stand outside the door of my therapy office. And she'd say to me, why are people coming in to see you so much? What's their problem? They have food on the table. They have a place to sleep. What is the problem? She'd say, a man is like a door. It's good to have a, a, a broom. It's better to have one than not. So her feeling of marriage was very simple, was very simplistic. Today, our expectations have changed and we want more and we have higher standards. That's okay. But don't give up on those standards. Work it through unless you have one partner. In my practice, if I only have one person coming in to try to work on a marriage, I know it's not going to work. You have to have two people who really want both together. So that's really the best thing uh, as far as this emotional prenup is two people, whether you agree or not about anything, when you come to a conclusion, if one person wants something more, like your husband or your, your partner uh, wants something more than you do, he wants a child, then you have to say, okay, this is what's going to be good for us. Let me see. You forget yourself in the process. It's a different time. Now, because you've gotten where you've gotten, and, I've, and I taught my daughter to do the same thing, you already evolved as a person. So you're not growing and you're not changing. Because what happens often is that the woman changes and the man stays the same. It's interesting. There's a little saying that goes, a man marries a woman because he wants her the way she is. And a woman marries a man to change him. And what happens is the opposite. The woman changes and the man stays the same. And it's true. As women get older, um, they have uh, a confidence about them. And... Uh, they know it's important, uh, so they do change, hopefully not too much, so the marriage, he, there is an initial reason why he got married to begin with. Right. I hope he doesn't change too much. But uh, yeah, that's that's part of it. It's it's uh, fun. It's, um, it's uh, a challenge. Um, it's a growth experience, and it's naturally developmentally the way to go but then you have the whole package of what life is all about well i think we should just end with this i had one more question and it's so what if a couple is still thinking about divorce even after going through all the steps that you had mentioned before what are your suggestions on trying to save the marriage well if they worked it th if they try to work on it uh then there's something else going on then has that has not been discussed there's something else because if two people are trying to make each other happy and are there for them, that's the essential elements formula in a marriage. And if that's not working, uh, there's a different agenda that's not being spoken about. And that's deeper than what we're talking about. That makes sense. Well, Dr. Frida, I thank you so much for coming back onto the show. We love having you here and all the pearls that you always bring. You are a treasure and I really love your heart for people. I love you more. The best to you. You better let me know in my ne our next uh, podcast where you are because you're interesting. I want to follow you. <laughs> Thank you so much. And yes. likewise, and I will definitely you. fill you in on all the newness that's about to unveil itself. Bye.
Thank you for joining me for another episode of Ageless. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. Tune in next week for a new episode. 